In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this evening, began reading in verse 15, from verses 12 through 28, we have a series of exhortations and commands that are given to us. Tonight, we're going to focus in on verse 22 and the title of the message, Abstain from All Appearance of Evil. Notice we come here beginning in verse 15. Well, let's back up to verse 14. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but even follow, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray again tonight for thy blessings and thy leading and thy help. Lord, as we come here toward the end of this book, we pray, Lord, that you would teach us. We pray, Lord, that we would heed to the things that you've given to us by thy Spirit and thy Word. We ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last week, we were looking at verse 21, and we've seen two commands here. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. This evening, in verse 22, he says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. There are two thoughts, a connection here between verse 21 and verse 22. Verse 21, we are to retain the good. And in verse 22, we are to reject the evil. Now, the abstaining from all evil, and when he says all, he means all, includes doctrinal evil that we'd find in Scripture and also moral evil. And we know that Satan is the evil one. Let's read this again, and we're going to make some comments here, and I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 4 in just a moment. But notice again, abstain from all appearances of evil. The word abstain, I think we all understand what that means. It's to stay away from, to keep a distance, to separate from, to keep hands off, to have nothing to do with it. In other words, don't get near it. We're to consider sin as poison and that will kill the soul and destroy us. I remember in, back in the 70s when... Our ship, we was doing sea trials after coming out of the shipyard in Mobile. And we were, we, we were in the Gulf of Mexico and we, we went to Cuba. We spent about three months down there. And I remember us pulling into the dock of Guantanamo Base. And I don't know where it was so or not. I never did check it out, but they says, be careful where you go. Stay within the perimeters of this small base. There are landmines set up all around the outer perimeter. I never did see one because I stayed away from them. I didn't even know for sure whether they were there or not. I made a point 
to never get close to them. And so, so this is the ideal here. So he said, abstain, abstain from all appearances. Read Romans 12, verse 2 in a few moments, but uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. The word uh, conformed has the ideal of the word fashion, as in 1 Peter 1 and in verse 14. And when he mentions here all appearance, that is not only, not only abstain from evil, but even from the very appearance of evil, anything that appears to be evil. Uh, this has to do with the, the, that which is visible, every form or kind of evil, external or visible appearances. And that's something we must really think about. Evil is attractive, and it can grab a hold of us and draw us in. And we find that in Luke 16:15, if you want to just jot that down, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. And so he says here in, in this passage, abstain from all appearances of evil. Notice back in verse 15, it's the reason I wanted to read a few other extra verses. He says, see that none render evil for evil unto any man. But follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. What do we mean by the word evil? The word is used about 500 times in the Scripture. Well, it means that which is morally wrong. It covers all sins that is contrary to God's perfect will. Evil, all all sins. I mean, this can cover, I don't even have to make a list really. It can cover anger, lying, hatred, as well as abortion, sodomy, and murder, and adultery, and fornication. It covers all things. And we see a lot of evil in our world. And especially, again, as I mentioned this morning, in the music industry, in Hollywood, in the movie industry, we see a lot of evil. We see a lot of evil in and as far as uh, concerning uh, modesty and how that we are to dress, things can be too tight, too low at the top, too high at the bottom. And I was thinking, too, I, I prepared, uh, or at least partially prepared a message earlier this year, uh, back in January or February, I can't remember exactly. I never did preach it. I made mention of it in another sermon. But what about today with skinny jeans and yoga pants? You know, and I want to give you a quote here. I was thinking about this. It's only been about three months ago that I asked a young man, I said, uh, did your pants shrink after you bought them at the clothing store? And, uh, you know, used to that was a problem. I don't know what's a problem anymore. Years ago, you could buy something. You better make sure you bought the right, a size that would uh, that would not shrink. But when we talk about modesty and music, adultery and fornication, all these things are evil. All these things are contrary to the Word of God. And when I preached the uh, message on yoga, uh, I also, in that sermon, and I believe in the article, that we dealt with yoga pants, and I talked about them being equivalent to pantyhose. In other words, they reveal everything. And, and people purposely wear them. I mean, you can exercise and work out with having something like yoga pants on. I not only have a problem with yoga, I have a problem with yoga pants. 
and uh, and people and people purposely put things on in order to show the shapes and curves of their body. Clothing is a form of language, and many and it is a fashion statement. That's the bottom line. And think about these skinny jeans. Are they comfortable on a man or a woman? No, they're not comfortable. They're probably the most uncomfortable thing that you could wear, but it's the image that people are looking for. And I'm just going to tell you, when I see them on a man, the first thing that I think of, I'm not saying they're sodomite, but the first thing that I think of, that there's something wrong here. They're dressing like a sodomite. Immodesty, these skinny jeans, yoga pants, they flaunt the curves and figures whether it be on a man or be on a woman. That's just the bottom line. One writer said this, and this is a quote from, this is actually a quote from How to Wear Skinny Jeans from uh, theidleman.com. I've never been on the website. I took this quote from another pastor. And, uh, and it says, Skinny jeans were known for their tight, hugging, form-fitting silhouette which creates sex appeal. And that's exactly what they're there to show off the body. As a matter of fact, they were created by the rock and rollers in the 1950s and 60s. People like the Rolling Stones, Elvis even uh, wore them. And they portray a bad boy rock and roll image. In other words, they were designed and they're wicked and they imitate wicked people. And that's the bottom line. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead one of these days. I actually, a couple of people have asked me to preach on that. And I said, well, maybe I, I just didn't want to spend a whole sermon on these two subjects. But we did cover the yoga pants uh, a year or so ago when we preached a message on yoga. But here's the thing. When we come to this, he says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Now, the Bible tells us in Galatians 1, 4, if you just want to write a few verses down, that the, that the Lord would deliver us from this present evil world. Again, in John 7 and verse 7. In Ephesians 6, it says to, that we're to stand, put on the armor, the whole armor of God, and to stand in this evil day in which we live. I'm giving you some verses with the word evil in it. In Revelation 2 and verse 2, the church at Ephesus, the Lord commended them. He says, you cannot bear them which are evil. In that case, it was false preachers and false doctrine. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you can jot this verse down as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and in verse 20, he says, Brethren, be not children in understanding... How be it in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. Now think about that. He says, let me mention it again. He says, brethren, be not children in understanding. In other words, we are to be uh, adults in understanding. How be it in malice. In other words, that which is wicked, he says, be ye children. In other words, don't know a lot about that. Don't pursue that and try to get an understanding of evil or malice. He says, but in understanding, be men. That is, be grown up and to be mature. 
Also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, we find this, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. In the context, obviously speaking of doctrine. But it goes beyond doctrine. Evil communications corrupt good manners. No matter how spiritual that we are, if we hang out with those that use evil communications, we will have a tendency to lean in that direction, start condoning and the very possible use the same language. Now notice with me as we come to First Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm not going to spend much time here. We've already covered this section. But notice here I'm going to be reading. Uh, first of all, let me just read in verse 3. In verse 3. He says this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain, that you should rather abstain from fornication. Now let's look at the context, beginning in verse 1. In verse 1, again, we see this word abstain. And the many things that we're to abstain from. But he says, beginning in verse 1, furthermore, Speaking of the second coming to Christ in chapter 3 and verse 13, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess that is control, his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. So again, we will see this word here, abstain. Turn with me please to Romans, and we've, we've, we've come to this passage three times in the last two months, but I want to read it again because of another verse here. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and notice what God's will is. He says, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This morning, I read a verse in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul talked about the body, bringing uh, the body under subjection. Then he says here, and be not conformed. Again, this word means to be fashioned after. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, that is, be changed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Now notice this, what is that good? I read this, I think I read this last week in our in verse 21 of 1 Thessalonians 5. But notice he said, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove... What is that good and acceptable, notice, and perfect will of God? So we are to cling to that which is good, which is the will of God, and we're to abstain from that which is evil. Come down with me to verse 9. In verse 9, Let love be without dissimulation, that is, don't let it be a false love. Abhor, that word means to hate. Abhor that which is evil. And cleave to that which is good. And I think I read this passage also in reference to verse 21 of chapter 5 as well. 
Notice with me as we come to Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14. So we are to hate evil. And we are to abstain from all appearances of evil. Not just evil, but the appearance of evil. In chapter 14, I'm reading verse 16. And we find here in this passage, he said, let, and in the context, he's speaking of Christian liberty. And in, in the immediate context of the kingdom of God and the eating of meats and so forth. But notice he said in verse 16, Let not then your good, that is your liberty that you have in Christ, be evil spoken of. Then he speaks about the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Turn with me to First Peter in chapter 2. In 1 Peter, reading in chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, just taking one verse, I think. First Peter chapter 2. Yes, um, he says here in this passage... He said, Dearly beloved, I'm in verse 11. The context, um, I was going to read, I was looking at the context before I read this one verse. He said in verse 11, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain, here's this word again, abstain from fleshy lust, notice which war against the soul. Fleshy lust wars against the soul, not just against the body, but there is a war against the soul. And let me remind you in 1 Peter chapter 5, coming back to the evil one, uh, Satan, and I said to you a week or so ago, he's not in red tights with horns and a pitchfork, but he presents himself in a way to deceive us. Um, he can present himself as an angel of light, that is to deceive or he also present himself as a roaring lion, that is, to persecute and devour. And I gave you that passage last week in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 through 15, where he and his ministers, when they want to deceive you, they present themselves as an angel of light. But notice here's Satan, the evil one. I'm reading from verse 8. From verse 8. He said, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we see that the very first question that he asked Eve was to bring confusion and was to bring uh, doubt he came to deceive, and he says, Yea, hath God said. Have you ever thought about how many times, maybe in a, in a year, as we live our Christian life, how many people uh, in conversation, well, did God really mean that? I mean, to say amen to that. Did God really mean that when he said that? Well, yes, he did. And, and so we're talking about tonight abstaining from appearance, not just evil, but even that which appears to be evil. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians, and I'm reading from chapter 
6. In 2 Corinthians in chapter uh, 6. And notice here. Now again, we're talking about every form or uh, or every kind of evil. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The visible appearance of a thing. Now let's begin reading verse 14 through chapter 7 and in verse 1. In chapter 14, verse 14, down to chapter 7 and verse 1. And by the way, there's many, many other passages. Uh, I'm not going to go to all of these, but in Matthew 15 and verse 19, our, even our thought light, life, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. So even our thought life. James chapter 2 and verse 4, even our motives can be evil. Our motives. And in 3 John 10, uh, our words obviously can be evil as well. Beginning in verse 14, and notice I'm coming to this text when we're talking about abstaining from that which is evil, the appearance of evil, and in the previous verse, embracing that which is good, testing and improving it. We're told here to come out from among them and be separate. This falls into line with what we're looking at tonight. Verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? That is, the devil, Satan. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, verse chapter 7 and verse 1. We see here, come out from among them, be separate abstain from evil and even the appearance of evil. Chapter 7 and verse 1, Having therefore these promises, that is the promises of eternal life, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we're to cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the Spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Turn with me to Isaiah and notice with me in chapter 5. In Isaiah in chapter 5. Isaiah ministers before the captivity in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians had carried them into captivity into Babylon and there's much warning beginning in Isaiah chapter 1, much warning giving. In this chapter we're coming to, there's warning uh, in verses 8 through 10 about covetousness and greed. There's warning in verse 18 and 19 about, you know, being hasty to sin. The verses we're going to read in verses 20 through 25 we have here a warning against distorting the truth 
and corrupting judgment. And then also we see in verse 24 through 25, God's judgment. But this, this passage, and I know that you know this and you can quote this, but in my opinion, the warning here sums up exactly what we're talking about tonight. Now notice, and, and the word woe here has the ideal of judgment and God's disapproval upon something. So notice as we read from verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Notice, and we see this in our country. And I was telling someone this week on two or three different occasions, two or three different people, that this subject came up, what's wrong with our country? It's a spiritual problem. And when we read through the Scriptures, we can find in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that there's many consequences to sin or rebellion against God. And there's many consequences. But one is madness and confusion and to become a reprobate and not be able to think properly. And you see that in Romans chapter 1 and especially verse 28, that they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. And so they became, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a mind that cannot think properly and make the right decisions. You say, what's wrong with our leaders? It's a spiritual problem. What's wrong with our leaders in this country? They have rejected the word of God. So they can't make right judgment. And that's really the problem in America. It's, it, it is a spiritual problem. So he says here, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Is that not true in our country? Then he says in verse 21, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. That's so true today. They condone that which is wicked, and they condemn that which is righteous. But here's the judgment, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he has stretched forth his hand against them, and has smitten them, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. This is the future of our country if there's no repentance. If there's no revival and no turning to God, this is the future of our country. We find in verse 13, Therefore, my people are gone into captivity. Why? Because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. In other words, they have rejected the truths of God's Word and God's law. And we have uh, uh, many leaders across our land that have no concept of the truths of the Word of God. Turn with me, please, to Psalms chapter 15. 
sang this song, this psalm, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, not Wednesday night, maybe last Sunday night. But notice in Psalms 15. Now I'm going to close here. Um, you could write down Psalms 103 verse, 101 rather, verse 3, 101 verse 3. Psalms 34 verse 14. The psalmist said, depart from evil and do good. And there's many other passages. Psalms 18 verses 20 through 25. David speaks of pure motives and clean hands. And then in Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13, the final petition in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and glory forever. We are to pray that we be delivered from evil. To rescue us from evil. Well, notice now as we come here, let's close with this psalm. And Psalms 15. Again, we just recently sang this. Was this Sunday night? I believe we sang this. Notice, beginning in verse 1, and this sums up all that we've talked about tonight. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, here's the answer. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is contempt, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sware to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. I've always been fascinated with the passage here, the latter part of verse 4, where it says, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. That's a man or woman that makes a vow or a commitment or makes a promise. And even if they find out later, they're going to lose by keeping that promise or that vow. They keep it anyway. They swear to their own hurt and changes not. In other words, their word is more important than the losses they might have financially or physically or whatever. Always been fascinated with that. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you tonight for, again, the opportunity and privilege to be able to assemble together. And Lord, we just ask tonight that you'd help us to prove all things and cling to embrace that which is good. Lord, help us to not only abstain from evil, but Lord, help us to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Lord, help us to love your word, to be faithful to your word, and to be led by thy Holy Spirit. And we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.